0: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is my great pleasure to be with you. Hope you're well on a Monday. Hope you had a very good weekend. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew in the house. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can. It's at Jay Cameron Show. By the way, if you're watching on War Chant TV, don't forget to like and subscribe so that others may find the content little bit easier. Also allows us to do more of what we like to do for you. So that's always a good thing. As I said, good weekend, busy weekend. Now we got a busy week because the NFL draft is nearly upon us. I'm excited. Hey, you know, the weekend held really good news for a former Seminole in the form of Scotty Barnes as he wins the NBA Rookie of the Year. And what a season, what a season for Scotty Barnes. And it did look more and more like he was going Uh, to win this award, but you know you get that solidified. And now we turn right around and we'll find out if there's more good news for former Knowles on the horizon in the form of Jermaine Johnson and whether or not he is drafted potentially in the top ten. There are a lot of mocks that have him there. It is a wide-open NFL draft, and that has become very apparent. If you spend any time at all uh, surfing the web for mock drafts, whether they're the main sites that you like to go to with those that have been doing it for a very long time, Mel kyber has been doing it forever, and he and Todd McShay, whether or not you go to uh, Daniel Jeremiah, whether you go wherever you go, a lot of people have these mocks, and to say there's no shortage of them is an understatement. Uh, One thing you find that is consistent amongst them is that uh, there is a wide array uh, of opinions about who's going to go number 1, what kind of trades will be made, because so many teams have multiple first-round picks. Uh, so many teams have multiple needs that have said multiple first-round picks. So stockpiling picks and moving back is an option for a lot of teams who need three or four players at key positions and not just one. It's also not a great quarterback draft, so people aren't trying to race up to the top of the board to grab a quarterback like we're accustomed to seeing for NFL drafts. There's usually a guy everybody agrees upon at that most important position. That's not true at all this year. So I think you see a lot of people in a lot of these mocks willing to move down. But then there's an abundance of players at the defensive end spot, where Jermaine Johnson is, of course, and a lot of offensive and defensive linemen. So uh, fun draft. Every draft is critical. There's no such thing as a bad draft. You hear people say that it's not a great draft. Eh, Some drafts are sexier than others based on the players that are most high-profile coming out, such as running backs, receivers, quarterbacks. But all drafts are critical and all drafts are good because there's always an abundance of players that will be in this league for the next 10 years kicking ass for somebody.
1: Seems like there's a leak out of the camp in Jacksonville, though, that Trayvon Walker is now minus money to go number 1 overall. David lineman
0: from Georgia, right. So
1: Vegas must like the source on that one.
0: Yeah, um, and so that would eliminate Aiden Hutchinson with the number one pick, who a lot of people thought for sure was going to go number one to Jacksonville, the kid out of Michigan, who was a real productive player, obviously. Um, so you know, look, and if you find, if you go look at the footage, everybody saw Trevon Walker play this year. Um, he's a he's a beast. Uh, it, it's crazy that anybody, two hundred and seventy plus pounds, moves like that. Uh, there are no shortage of highlights of that guy making plays well down the field or well off to, you know, towards the sideline. Well, I mean, tra- tracking guys down on plays that develop in the uh, flats. It's, yeah, he's a freak. Hey, here's a, here's a little insight, everybody. Georgia's got some freakish athletes on that roster, right? Every now and again, when you're doing these profiles on players and you're trying to figure out who's going to go where and why, uh, and you come across the Georgia players, of which there are many, like most years you do that with Alabama as well, right? When you do it with this year's Georgia team, like, oh yeah, he's uh, he's a really good player. Boy, he's awfully athletic. And then you'll scan over to another player, you'll boy, he's he's awfully athletic too. Look at that. Look at that highlight. Yeah, they they got they got some guys that can run.
1: Are you feeling the undercurrent that it could be really boring on Thursday? No,
0: I never feel that okay. it's boring. I mean people might be bored. I never get bored with the draft because there's never been a draft that didn't end up featuring multiple players that end up in Pro Bowls in a couple of years. I mean, all of these drafts have that. I mean, to me, the Buccaneers, yes, there's a lot of star power on the Bucks, and obviously the lead dog in that star power hunt would be Tom Brady. But if you think about how the Bucks got to a place where they could bring in Tom Brady, or that would even be an option, it was because of the draft. It was because of how well they drafted important players on the offensive and defensive lines, at wide receiver, later on at linebacker, and Devin White. They drafted so many really good players that that became an attractive offer for a Tom Brady. Tom Brady was the the you know the cherry on top, but in truth, think of all of those draft picks that happened year over year over year that led to a place where the Bucks were just a quarterback away.
1: I hear you. I mean, there's the virtue if you're a true NFL fan of watching it, but like I saw in the chat, Timmy uh, Timmy said, I'm watching until Jermaine gets drafted. You know, sometimes the star power is enough to carry you into the 20s or the 30s. I just have a sense that on Thursday at Bumpas, it's going to be even more conversational for an NFL draft party than it typically is. Some years, you just can't wait to see who goes. Yeah. This year, I think we, we just need to talk about what our teams are doing more than the star power of one through 32.
0: Yeah, again, the the star power of any draft is led by quarterbacks and Heisman-type, you know, athletes that play wide receiver and running back, you know, since they never give the Heisman to a defensive player. Um, you know, that, those are the guys that typically are going to carry the draft, and if there are... Five to seven of those guys stockpiled towards the top of the draft. Yeah, then you see the shuffling and people moving up, especially if there's two quarterbacks and there's a debate which one is going to be the star.
1: And then we have a trade and people go, whoa. Uh, For this one, if we, you know. I'm
0: excited to hear trades, man, because I think there's potential for a lot of bodies to move, like a lot of picks and a lot of people. I think you need to see current a lot of rosters. Yes, yes. Yes,
1: players yes, on current NFL rosters yes. to move. That would be the intrigue of the trade more than, oh, they're moving up to seven. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care that they're moving up to seven, so what?
0: It's happening a lot these days uh, with the NFL. It's also fascinating you know, to watch players... Uh, move on from from guys that have been productive players for their team. You know, it just it, it teams are more willing to do that to move on from guys. Uh, so anyhow, it's draft week. It's always exciting to me. It's exciting to do you, Tom. I know we'll be there at Bumpus to watch it. It'll be a good time. We invite everybody to come out. It's uh, almost a, like it's not really an official event as much as it's an annual event that we always do, and we always go there, and we have a great time. We thank our friends and pups. Food's really good there. Obviously, a plethora of beers to choose from,
1: and uh, a, a ton of TV. so there's always a good seat. In there. Always good memories from draft parties across the years. I remember the one year that uh, Johnny Manziel was rumored to be maybe going to Tampa, and then Jerry Jones wanted him so badly, they ended oh, up taking Zach Martin out of Notre Dame. I so
0: happy we didn't take... That but bum!
1: That was the year that I think it was Rappaport was, was breaking down the picks five minutes before they went officially. Pissing and that's everybody when, off. Yeah, the NFL media said, all right, we're shutting this down. No more of this.
0: Yeah, no more of this is right. Uh, back, circling back to my original point, which was to congratulate Scotty Barnes, who was a pro's pro when he was here. And what I mean by that, that is a kid who came to Florida State who knew before he ever laced him up for the Knowles that he was going to be a first-round pick. Now, the degree to which, top five, top 15, top 25, wasn't known. But it was known because of body type, athleticism, sheer size, things you can't teach, that he was going to be a first-round pick. And Scotty Barnes was unselfish to the point where he was willing to come off the bench. Corey Clark noted that in the piece on the weekend wrap-up on Warchant.com if you want to go read that. But we all certainly saw that, right? We watched it and – because he was willing to come off the bench and play the role of sixth man, as many people have that got later drafted in the first round by uh, by teams in the NBA, despite the fact they were sixth men here with the Knowles in college, um, that, that is a level of unselfishness you don't always see, and it's a buy-in, and it also uh, ended up, I think, putting Florida State uh, to a degree, added to the higher profile they've been able to de- develop over time because of guys like that that, that preceded him. Uh, So good for him, but it's also what led a lot of people to speculate that he was uh, underwhelming in Tallahassee, that he did not live up to the billing of a first-round pick, which we frequently discussed and talked about how that's not the way NBA teams look at guys 18, 19 years old with that length, that athleticism, and that kind of basketball IQ. I mean, here's a guy that sees the floor exceptionally well to the point where they let him kind of So, an itch, if you will, to be a point guard. And and so,
1: figure it out on the fly. Figure it out on the fly. That's what Edwards wanted to do here, but we had Trent Forrest at the time.
0: And also, Edwards was a guy that needed the ball in his hand at all time. Who was going to try to average thirty a night? And Scotty's not that player. He wasn't that player here, and he won't be that player in the NBA either. Uh, those are really good first year numbers: fifteen point three points per game, seven and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, and a steal per game for him. It's very impressive if you think about everything that he's in the top five in for all of the rookie stats: top five in assists, uh, steals, and blocks. Um, third and rebound so he's across the board if you just he's a stat stuffer he does all of these things but more importantly man his game translates exceptionally well to the NBA Um, and it, it did from the first day he was out there congratulations to him wanted to make note of that let's hope that it's more good news as the week goes on and when the draft comes up on thursday we get a chance to celebrate jermaine johnson
1: you saw the video though for that uh, the Raptors put out at practice it was vince carter doing the announcement on yeah. television everybody kind of knew where it was going but to see that scotty broke down emotionally you don't see that a whole lot there's a lot of joy in his game but how much it means to him to accomplish that he's more about the team and everybody else but it was cool to see it wash over him that he was the third player in raptors history to win the rookie of the year and, and what it means. It's just kind of cool because Scotty, sometimes he's too cool for school. That, that was like his, his persona, but uh, it means a lot to him. Clearly it does. I wish he was just more healthy for this series in the playoffs to, so he could show his wares a little bit better.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Good things for him to come in the future. All right, the weekend was one in which the softball team got a sweep to close games and a runaway. Baseball team loses the series for a lot of reasons that they lose series these days, which is that they can't find a Sunday starter to save their life. Uh, The bullpen is wildly inconsistent. They're a better hitting team this year than they were last year. Statistically, those numbers bear out. Um, They aren't very good defensively. They weren't last year. Uh, They aren't this year. Uh, They're a weird team. They, you know, when they're on the run that they were just on, which was an exceptional run in which they got wins over really good ta- baseball teams and, and, and dominated in many ways, uh, nobody weighs in. When they lose the series, everybody weighs in. But I, I'm used to that. I'll say the same team that won all of those games and did a good job during that stretch is the same team that lost the series this weekend. They're wildly inconsistent because of the factors we just named, which is that they don't have a reliable back end of the pen. Now, I think they may have a guy on the roster. He happened to start yesterday's game against Clemson, in which he lasted all of one inning. Oddly enough, that same guy for one inning, as your closer, let's say, can miss bats, especially with that velocity. But as he tried to get the start here, and they gave him that start for good reason because the previous Sunday starter couldn't get outs on a regular basis, uh, he was undone by the second inning. Which, a couple hits, hit batter, a bomb, and the next thing you know, we're tied. And, uh, you know, he's coming out of the game and you're having to go to the bullpen in the second inning. Frustrating. The weird thing about that team is that uh, they're better. They're just not as good as we'd like them to be. And I think part of that is, again, the inconsistencies picking up the baseball and the bullpen. I, I'm curious to see if that gets worked out somewhere before regionals begins because they're, they're obviously going to make the postseason and they may even have a chance if they go on a run here to, to host.
1: It's not like guys don't take turns being dominant, though. That's the other thing that makes it so maddening. It's just woefully inconsistent. Some guys have runs for two weeks, four appearances, five appearances, and you go, there's your answer, there's your setup guy, or there's your closer, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the next time you need them in a high-leverage spot, you know it's a third of an inning and three runs are on the board. You're going, well, that's not the answer. So that's probably what's driving them nuts over there is just the inconsistency. If you had two guys, you could just lean on them, and that, that's the end of it. But there's just, it's just ups and downs. So, Quishon
0: Fuller is gone. If we address the football team now, uh, that's not a surprise at all uh, for anybody following the team. It's not shocking to find out he has entered his name into the transfer portal. This is good news. Florida State's had a lot of kids that needed to go leave. Uh, I've been uh, very excited by the mass exodus of kids who can't play a lick. Um, and so hopefully more kids leave. Uh, I'd like to see more names in that portal. This roster has been asked, sorry, for a very long time. Happy Monday. And I just, uh, the more of those players that aren't any good that leave, the better off we are. And uh, more opportunities that present themselves in the transfer portal. This should be an interesting week for the transfer portal, Tom. Let's, let's find out what we get here. Um, yeah, and, on Sunday. And we'll be watching very carefully
1: Sunday being the deadline, so next yeah. Monday we're going to well, know what, what, what the market mean. looks yeah. like. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. so yeah, we, the deadline is is coming up less than a week. So let's find out what we got and uh, make a run at some guys. I, I, I you know, you hear whispers, uh, but they're just that. So let's wait and see uh, what comes to fruition. Uh, excitedly, I think uh, honestly that uh, that they have a chance when you consider the amount. Listen, take a step back for a second and look at the amount of people. Uh, in the last three years, that have entered the transfer portal, and go f- go take the math. Do do like the FBI does, where they they, they take the the strings and they t- who's the leader it's of what? Charlie like,
1: from it's, it's Always Sunny too. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, do that. Do all of that and find out where all those guys ended up. Not an impressive landing for most of them. Which would tell you less about me taking shots at them and more about who's offering an invite to come on down and join.
1: Oh, it's the same thing as high school. What is your offer list? I don't care what you're ranked. What is your offer list?
0: Right. Committable right. offers. If yeah.
1: Alabama and Georgia are calling you and you're a three-star, you're not a three-star. Yeah,
0: correct. Well, we do this every time that happens. Like when If we get a guy and we had to beat out Florida, Miami, Georgia, Alabama, and so-and-so, I'm like, all right, that's a good get. I don't care if they list him as a one. That's a good get. But other times you'll see, well, four star. Who else? Oh, we beat out Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati went to the playoff last year
1: still. Yeah. BYU also was yeah, really yeah, into yeah. the really? very end. They
0: were close. They were right there at the end. Yeah, that's you get less excited. <coughs> There's a cough for you right here on the air. I I had no chance to warn you, but it was coming. We'll take a quick break. I'll get my voice. It's still happening. I can't stop coughing.
1: It's the pollen. I'm telling you. It's the multiplier. Killing me. Force multiply.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating. Jeff Kabbersh at ninety three three Real Talk Radio. War Chant TV. we didn't get a chance to touch on it. We should have. I'm doing it now for the College sports book. Heads up, this week you'll see two posts on YouTube for the College sports book, both dealing with this topic, which is win totals out of the SEC East, win totals out of the SEC West. Looking forward to that very much. Uh, and, and shot a video this morning uh, for one of those for the East, which goes up later on tonight, I do believe. Uh, and, uh, you know, first of all, when the lines come out, Uh, you get excited because you're reminded of college football and you start reading about who's what and how that pertains to, let's say, Florida state, but also just anybody in general, that is uh, a perennial top 20 team. You start looking at those schools. And so I had to look into what Florida was and uh, go through and and look at the rest of the, uh, the rest of the SEC. We only play obviously when you, you know, Florida on that schedule, but uh, well, LSU, obviously for the West, which is coming up, which I will do. Um, Win bets is what put out those totals, and uh, I don't know. I don't think I was shocked by any of the totals, uh, but there was value there. So, just as an aside, and I'll get into some of that. I didn't find any value on Georgia, for example. Eleven and a half is their win total. Okay, <laughs> do they go undefeated in the regular season or not? Is what they just asked you.
1: And what's the under, like minus one hundred and eighty or something like that? Well,
0: it's minus, 250.
1: minus so two hundred and
0: fifty. So there's no value in the minus two hundred and fifty, and you know. That's Now, I will say this. So they lose their D.C. and Dan Lanning, who takes over at Oregon. Of course, Georgia plays Oregon uh, first game, so right off the bat you have that. But let's assume Georgia is equipped, and we think they are, to win that game. So say they do. Who's beating them? Because when you go through the rest of this, in fact, I had my notes here from earlier today. Now, listen, they lose Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, uh, N'Kobe Dean, who's a stud. Uh, they lose uh, Pickens. They lose uh, Zamir White. They lose James Cook, obviously. They lose all of these guys, which is a lot of guys. Um, and, and Dan Lanning, is who I mentioned. But when you go through the rest of that schedule, you're kind of like, well, you play Alabama. I don't play – you know, like you go – every time you see a team you're like oh south Carolina's better than they were but like beating georgia no they do play kentucky on the road i mean
1: do we know the schedule yet though that would that would matter you know is it is it the fourth in a row and they're on the road for three out of four or something like that because it would need to be something crazy for you to factor that in yeah and call you that can a you can find
0: yeah um well, when you go through all of these, obviously, you're going to look at nighttime, Yeah, where's the bye week, all that stuff. It's fun to do. Uh, I did it with some of these here. They, Oregon, they play September the 3rd, then they play Samford. Anyhow, go through all this. Uh, then it's South Carolina on the road after Samford, so that's not bad. With, by the way, it's a sandwich game uh, before Kent State. Yeah, don't worry about it. Because then they play sorry-ass Missouri, who's going to be terrible. Auburn, who's going to be terrible. This really is a doable... Slate, Vanderbilt, who's terrible. Uh, Florida's not ready yet. Tennessee, they play in Athens. They play Mississippi State on the road. I guess either that or Georgia, or Kentucky late is where you're going to guess the, the loss comes. Yeah, the that's upset the, loss, the right? two-week
1: pinch point is right there. And because that's it, It's probably two night games consecutively on the road.
0: Yeah, man. Pretty damn difficult
1: to figure <laughs> out. You really have to be, yeah. You have to Houdini your way into an 11-1 and record.
0: You do. So... for that one, but I didn't see the value in that. I did fade Tennessee, by the way, um, because I don't—I mean, look, they took a step forward, but again, I will tell you this. Tennessee is going to lose—they lose a ton of experience on defense. Now, that defense wasn't any good, so you might say that's a good thing, but road games against Pitt, they lost to Pitt last year in Knoxville. Different Pitt team, obviously different quarterback, but still, road game against a Pitt team that will play well on defense—
1: like 400 yards of bombs that were not connected on in that game.
0: Right. They play on the road, Pitt, LSU, Georgia, South Carolina. They have home games against Alabama and Florida. How do you get to eight and a half to nine? How do you get to nine wins? You can't. You can't get there. Because you have two guaranteed losses, obviously, uh, in Alabama and uh, Georgia. You, you, no chance you're winning either one of those games. I don't see it. I have a hard time here, so I faded them. Bottom line is, I don't want to do it all now. We can go through, but it's a fun exercise. And then I ended up taking a good long look at Florida. Obviously, you know what that total is. Did you have you looked at that?
1: I don't think that was one we discussed today. Um, what do you
0: think? they're what do you think? eight total or eight and a
1: half. Seven. Really, I took the over. Yeah,
0: seven. Yeah, yeah. It sits at seven, uh, and you can get it. You can go over at minus one ten. Listen, you're not burdened by Emory Jones. You have an athletic freak in Anthony Richardson. You're not burdened by bizarre press conferences from Dan Mullen. You don't have to deal with the wild inconsistencies there.
1: They kind of have a tough September for the first time that I can remember in my life. They play Utah this year.
0: Yeah, they play Utah out the box, but it's in Gainesville.
1: Then they play Kentucky, also in Gainesville. But still, for Florida, that's the toughest September
0: ever. Yeah, but both those tough games are at home. So, again, it's hard for me at that point to –
1: they're not going to lose them both. They could. (laughs) They could be hosting USF in week three looking for Napier's first win. So think about this,
0: right? Uh, They play, as we go through this, um, they host South Carolina, who if you think that's an improving program, then, well, whatever. But they host that game. Vanderbilt will – by the way, Vanderbilt win total is at one and a half. So that, that'll tell you about t- you know, Vanderbilt. They do play on the road against Texas A&M. That's a loss. They play Georgia over in Jacksonville. That's a loss. But they host LSU. They host sorry-ass Missouri, whose win total is under five. I mean, man, they're going to accidentally stumble into all this.
1: Yeah, they stuffed eastern Washington into October, strangely.
0: hmm it's hard, it's hard to find the losses. It's, it's, there aren't that many.
1: The question is, how committed is that locker room culture-wise after that stretch where they go LSU, bye week, then Georgia, A&M? So how committed are they when they host South Carolina on the 12th of November? Because you could see their season spiraling out of control if Napier doesn't have a good handle on things.
0: But if they beat LSU at home and you just lose two straight games to two top ten teams in Georgia and A&M, it shouldn't be the end of the world. You ought to bounce back and beat, sorry-ass South Carolina, Vanderbilt.
1: But if they lost to LSU...
0: (laughs) That's the fun exercise, right? But it gets you thinking about this again. And by all means, everybody at the sports books, please posting of more wins and losses. Let's get to the ACC. Let's get to the rest of college football. Let's get to these numbers. Uh, it's always a fun occupier of time to go through because it allows you, frankly, to vet the rosters and vet your own. And, you know, I talk about teams that have improved but may not reach a win total. Tennessee, for example, could continue to get better. But they'll be they'll be under the win total. And what if they win eight games? That's a better season. And and you know, that but they're still under at that point. That's you gotta try to find those values. Uh and it is it's it's a fun exercise. Right now, all I care about is uh what Florida State does in the transfer portal. This week, I said it in the first segment, and I'll say it again here. Everybody gets nervous as hell. And They see these kids leaving Florida State. I look at it as a beautiful window. I'm like, all right, here's opportunity. You needed some guys to go. We said after spring a certain number of guys would probably be asked to have a good day. It appears that we're being very aggressive in our efforts to explain the situation to certain members of this team that are on the roster and how it might be greener pastures elsewhere.
1: You're not going to get 32 spots every year. This is a special provision for COVID. So 32, and for the transfer portal, and how crazy it was in year one. So if you have 32 chances to get better, Norvell is clearly saying we're going to take about all of those 32 chances to get better as a football program. And that's one more thing to reiterate. Last year, the deadline for transfers was in the summer. So that's why this weekend is so critical. Sunday, May 1st is the deadline. If you want to play without having to sit out or get a waiver, You've got to declare by Sunday, May 1st, in order to be eligible to play in the fall. That's why we're going to know what the market looks like next Monday. What a fun-ass
0: Monday that's going to be, buddy.
1: College football should embrace it like the NFL does, where they they do something every month. You saw they announced that the schedule's coming out in, uh, I think it's May 12th. May 12th. Yeah. With leaks in between. Also, you broke the big
0: news of the ACC kickoff, Tom. Maybe not to the public, but to us as a staff. So ACC kickoff meetings are Here's news. July 20th, 20th. 20th
1: and 21st. Yeah. 20th is your Atlantic Day. There you go.
0: No, only day that matters. That's right. So we'll be there on the 19th, maybe the 18th even.
1: You never know. Yeah, a lot of good golf low. up there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we, we get up there. We, we, get the, we get the party started, baby. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to win bet and you want them to look at totals. By the way, so... Timmy, I know you said on the chat you don't think South Carolina's sorry. Vegas disagrees with you. Their total over-under is six.
1: They're fading Rattler. What are you doing? Who
0: sucks? So there you go. That's how simple that is. He's terrible. I watched him up close and personal with Oklahoma and I was like, eh, this guy's awful. I had a friend who would know that said at one point we were very interested in Spencer Rattler. I said, man... I will punch your face if that comes to fruition. He cannot play. I don't. Stop it. Thankfully, it did not happen. Off to South Carolina, he went. Good luck with
1: that. There was no face that was punched.
0: No face that was punched because he took it to South Carolina. Good. Good on you. Go to South Carolina. It's Jeff Camber Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. War Chant TV. Do you think last night's game gives us our wish where the ump show is no more in Major League Baseball? Because if you didn't see it, and I know you didn't, Tom, you were enjoying a... Oh, you did see it? Yeah. You watched the replay?
1: I saw the replay. Well, I was going
0: to say, if you saw the game, you would have seen seven instances in which Angel Hernandez could not have been more wrong. Uh, Segura's inside strike was six inches off the plate. Uh, The Schwarber one is what everybody saw last night, which, rightfully, he was enraged uh, because that was a walk. But, uh... But no, not according to Angel Hernandez, who loves to hear himself and, uh, and, and, and do the theatrics, and he did, and Schwarber. Schwarber you got to give Schwarber credit here. You get the instantaneous, not delayed contemplated, but instantaneous I'm enraged bat throw, followed by whatever F-bomb he had to say, and then a quick walk-off. Got my piece in. Uh, you can go to hell eternally. Uh, I'm done with you. Whatever else was said there. Uh, I've clearly expressed myself here and I'm going to uh, take it on down the road and allow my manager to speak on my behalf because i am fearful that if I stay out here much longer and I look at your ugly face, I'm going to punch it. So he leaves and there's that. He said after the game, did he have any more thoughts on Angel Hernandez? Quote, I'm not here to bury anybody, but his performance quote was not very good. There you go. There you go. I like that. Well done. Well done.
1: You're right. Everything about that was efficient because the pantomiming was to signal to everybody on TV and in the crowd, here's why I am arguing with with your call. This is a strike zone. This is out of it. That's a ball by rule.
0: I love that he shows within the argument, and this is really efficient. I'm going to show you a strike zone. I'm going to point that you've called this, you've called this, and now you've called that. So we're all over the map, baby. There is no consistency. It's this, this, and that. You suck. I'm out. That's it. But there you go, baseball. I mean, how long? This guy's been terrible forever. Ever. It's ever. The
1: best union in sports. It's not the NBA Players Association, it's the MLB Umpires Union. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I. I
0: I don't. I actually a lot of times when guys lose it, it's a long season. I'm like, ah, get it together, buddy. Yeah, hang in there. It's that's a, a one nothing ball game. That's uh, a one nothing ball game, and that's not close. It's just not close. And and the best part, Milwaukee didn't think it was close. Hater didn't think it was close. They're all like,
1: well, <laughs> that <he> smirk. He <laughs> turned and looked
0: like, my God, he knew it was bad. Well, he turned his back. At least he had the respect to turn his back. Like, I, I'm not gonna make fun of you. He knew it was a ball, and then he saw the strike.
1: My goodness gracious, fellas. And Kyle has a case. <laughs> I'm going to watch it on the Jumbotron.
0: Yeah. Also, if you look at the Milwaukee dugout, they all know it's a ball. Like, you see all the Milwaukee players kind of like, yeah, that's that's a toughie. That's, that's, that's a toughie. You can't call that. So, anyhow, I'm hoping the more high-profile these moments, the better. That's what you want to see.
1: Faster robots. Here we go. Opening day, 2023, let's do it. Very well could
0: be. Uh, And then there is this, I circle back on topics that I've touched on briefly if we get more information and opportunities to express further our concerns. Why hasn't somebody beaten Ben Simmons' ass? What are we doing? Somebody on that squad should beat his ass senselessly. It should be reported that he's been hospitalized. I cannot fathom how down 3 0 after all this. I mean, no, 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 no. Nice outfit, Ben. No, I'm kneecapping somebody. There's no chance. I can't stand it. It's unsettling. I'll see y'all on Wednesday.
1: You got this. Go ahead.
0: So he's out for tonight's elimination game against Boston. They're about to get swept. They're about to get swept. And you talk about, obviously, a disastrous season for them. Now, I don't care because screw Kyrie. But here they are, and this guy was all set to come back several times over. Now, back's a little sore. A little sore. From what? From what? From sitting for two years? What is your back sore from? No, no, no. I can't. I just...
1: It's all the pickup basketball he's playing with Kawhi. He and Kawhi, you should see these battles they have.
0: Kawhi, however, has led his team to championship-level play and a ring. Yes, I mean, Kawhi did that. Ben Simmons, sir, that's a layup you just passed up for fear that somebody might challenge you. And now you don't play, period. His feelings got hurt. It's why he produced the exodus because his feelings were hurt, that Philly fans got on him about sucking. Imagine that. And now there's this. I I, I I can't deal. I'm surprised hyper-competitive people who are reliant on somebody else's performance to coincide with theirs in order to produce wins doesn't at some point say, okay, well, we're going to have to Take this into our own hands. It, not unlike the military.
1: <laughs> you would order the code red. Oh,
0: the soap beatdown would be unmerciful. It would be one of the greatest courtside <laughs> reports of all time. We have it on good sources that Ben Simmons was beaten to within an inch of his life as half that team whoa, whoa,
1: whoa.
0: half that team threw soap into pillowcases and bludgeoned him now of course i'm not rooting for that tom
1: but i'd like that's somebody. not a code red <laughs> santiago wasn't supposed to go
0: <laughs> all right I'm being facetious to some extent
1: director matthew uh, makes a good point in the lower third that he had up which is well don't you need somebody who can shoot the basketball if you're brooklyn so what's the difference
0: it's just at some – well, they don't, they don't get stops, for starters. and, and it's, But this is – it's unbelievable. Every time I watch I, – when they announce, I wait on it. I'm like, okay, here it comes. Let's, get, let's hear the reasoning. I just – I think, obviously, these are areas in which I'm old because there's no way – that you would ever, I mean, can you think about it? Like, those Bulls teams, those Lakers teams, those Detroit teams, those Boston teams, like, any of those guys sitting passively by watching a supposed key component to what they're trying to do just decide, eh, I'm going to go ahead and collect this check in a suit. No, man. No. None of them.
1: Yeah, instead of film, you should subject them to great moments in athletics history where somebody plays hurt. Like, you know, this is just for, you know, just a lesson. You know, Ben, we're not saying anything, but here's Tiger in the 08 U.S. Open. Well, on a broken leg. Yeah.
0: It's Jeff ninety-three, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, and War Chant TV. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want at 27? Kind of look at the uh, potential. Uh, there's nobody that I get enamored with the way I did. Well, I mentioned to you before uh, that offensive lineman from uh, yeah, BC. From BC. I like him a lot, yeah. Um, Zion Johnson. That's his name.
1: We couldn't get that guy here?
0: Zion Johnson. Big giant guy. We need a guard very specific. I never get worried about drafting offensive linemen. Seems like that hit rate, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but it seems to me the hit rate on offensive linemen is much greater than it is at any other position on the football field, any position.
1: And also with this particular GM for the Bucks, who is good at assessing the trenches, especially with a senior bowl too. Mm-hmm. He goes out there, he makes a, a lot of things happen in Mobile.
0: Uh I worry that Buffalo is going to look at him at 25 cuz they're they're looking for a guard too but I, I just when you look, when you think about the amount of busts I always think of I think of wide receiver I think of quarterback I think of uh defensive back I think of all these positions you just don't see a lot of busts on the offensive line like a mar- let's let's say a guy doesn't live up to top 15 status the floor for him is not can't play out of the league in three years. It's, uh, he's a backup on your team for 10 years. He's a starter marginally, maybe on the other side than he played in college, and he's there for six years off and on. He provides something for you. He's not uh, out of the league. A lot of the guys, skill position guys, when they bust, they're out of the damn league. It's like, well, grand opening, grand closing, this guy can't play.
1: Even D-end. D-end can be that way.
0: It's feast or famine at D-end. Feast or famine at the end, you get a good defensive end, you're like, well, everybody predicted this, everybody saw this coming. But they get it more right, the scouts do, they get it more right most of the time or more amounts of the time on the offensive line than they do anywhere else. And that includes defensive line. Defensive line's a toughie, too, Uh, partly because a lot of the interior guys not only do they take a beating, but their weight is such. Those knees, man, you just you can't trust the knees, and that's uh, tough. You'd say that maybe about an offensive line, but I think that's especially true when you get inside the tackle box. That guy gets tough. Uh, first of all, they're they're often uh, they're kind of fallen upon or chopped, even when it's not intentional. A lot of that happens.
1: That's where you hold your breath for Lovett and Cooper here this year. That everything goes okay, and especially sure. like the overweight ones, like the really big dudes, like Coop. It's very important that his medical goes. I mean. Perfectly.
0: Mm-hmm. I think he is so poised to have a good year. I yeah. mean, I, I really, I keep saying that. He was the guy that in camp, every day I saw a flash, I saw a moment. I know you you had those moments too. I, I, that first week of pads, I really kind of looked on that defensive line closely. I watched those drills. I wanted to, well, partly because I wanted to see Jared Verse. wanted to watch how he adapted, and, and he was a quick learner, quick study. And I also, we have some other question marks about, Really, both ends we're worried about. So I kind of went over there for that reason. And as I did, I was really impressed by the interior. We already knew the names. We already knew the guys that we would be depending on. But right off the bat, Farmer kind of impressed you right off the bat. You're like, all right, there's a guy that is getting better. He's big. He's got the requisite weight necessary to hold Fifteen snaps. Fifteen to seventeen snaps a game. He can help you out a lot. But every time I was doing that, I was just hell-bent on watching that, watching technique, watching leverage and watching you know, speed, the get-off time, and man, Coop is quick for a guy that size. And, and he's, he's obviously gotten so much better working with his hands. Uh, you got to give Odell a lot of credit there. That, that group continues to emerge and play good football, and I, I think they're going to be the strength of the team this year.
1: Just the crazy thing about Lovett to me is you know what he's listed at, and it's a huge number, but he carries it so naturally. He doesn't even look that big. There are some dudes that you know every every ounce that's on them because it's just the way their body presents. But Lovett is sneaky large, and those two, you're right, they're just so quick. The hand fighting for Lovett is what separates him. The raw strength is what Coop brings to the table. Yeah, they're going to be fierce this year.
0: Panama Jack, I want to since we're talking about this, I want to address um, something you wrote here in the chat because I'll forget and we'll get into the second hour and I won't remember to do so. Uh, you you asked if Maurice Smith beat out Caden Lyles this spring. Well, I think it was a lot less about beating out Caden Lyles and a lot more about Caden Lyles just not participating nearly as much in camp as I expected him to. I think they really went out of their way to ease Caden Lyles into the program, into this offense. He was learning not only uh, schematically the differences between Wisconsin and here, uh, but also the verbiage. So I think there was a lot on his plate. Coupled with recovering from an injury. So you had three things that meant they were going to take their time. Because time was not of the essence. You had time. Uh, And and oftentimes for a spring, for a transfer player, it's a good time to take it slow. You get them acclimated to their new surroundings. That includes, you know, living in an entirely different city, very different Madison, Wisconsin, Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, You get them acclimated. You let them recover from whatever ails them. You know, they're getting back their strength. You get them healthy in the gym. You get them eating right. You get them acclimated in that way. And then you have them get acclimated to the system. Now, I will be concerned, though, to your point. I know why you asked the question. I will be concerned if we get into fall camp and we're not seeing him – routinely getting the look at center with the ones. If that's not happening, I'm concerned. Because Maurice Smith, barring a massive transformation of his body from now until fall camp starts, is still way too small. Way too small at center. He has not grown uh, significantly from where he was at the end of last season. You're just not seeing
1: it. Yeah, you do that Captain America procedure. You know, where he just see balloons out of nowhere, but what's the over/under for that? You know, that concern level—is it a week into fall camp?
0: No, but I would ask. Two weeks. I I can tell you it's on my docket of questions to ask early. I'm not waiting for that. It's an important question. I mean that. I mean, like for for contextual purposes of explaining things to our audience, I—if you're telling me Maurice Smith is starting for this team at center this year, then I'm telling you that's going to affect our win-loss outcome in a negative way. So, I'm going to ask that question quickly. I want to know.
1: That's going to be the most fun part of fall camp to me is outside of that specific position. And I'm assuming they're going to bring in another player or two, let's hope. Uh, But how quickly do they get to the five? Because there was a lot of cross training going on in spring a lot of it. Yeah. And so you don't know what you have, because guys aren't working you know, next to each other with any degree of consistency.
0: Well, yes, there's no continuity there, so it could affect the overall performance of the five. But Tom, we do know what we have and don't have physically there. So I- I'm not going to continue to extend the olive branch of, well, they're trying, no. They're having to do all that, because a lot of these guys aren't very good. And so, A, I don't think they're going to waste a lot of time in getting that group up to speed. And, and B, we, there are some unknowns. Now, it's not to say that guys can't grow and get bigger and stronger in the off season. That the off season's for that. And I'm not questioning any one of those players' dedication. I believe that Coach Storms uh, is doing a good job with those guys. I believe those guys are going to commit to those things. Uh, you know, I'd like them to really commit, really commit, really know what it means to sacrifice and commit to something. With the whole of
1: your being. No, I wasn't kidding about that Captain America procedure. That thing <laughs> is wonders for him.
0: <laughs> Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with.